if this text does not solidify the absolute sovereignty of God in all life, all life situation, all life events, circumstances, I don't know which one would. Proverbs 16 and verse 33, the last verse. I've looked at this many years. I don't know if I've ever preached out of it, but it just struck me. Actually, Spurgeon's base checkbook, I think it was, spurred this on. The lot, and you remember how the lot was used in the Old Testament. It was, and even the, the after Judas had had uh, betrayed the Lord, they cast lots to see the who next disciple was going to be, the next apostle. That's what that lot is. It's in Judges and different places where they had to, to dispute the uh, seventy elders when they would listen to somebody have a complaint it you know it would solve all matter of disputes you cast a lot we would say you know cast dice but that's not what they had actually the word is lot is a pebble you know it's like a pebble if you ever go down to eminence or if you go to van buren there's different pebbles you don't need a flat one you need you know i'm sure that one that was had corners and could could look different or maybe they marked it the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Disposing, the whole disposing, the whole event, the uh, uh, verdict or cause. That's what that word means, the whole cause, the whole event, the whole disposing. The verdict, the whole verdict thereof is of the Lord. Unless we think this is some one-off obscure text, we're going to look at some others, and there's, this is just a few of many that declare our Lord is over all things, all events. I'll reread this. I'll reread it out of the Amplified. It's very good. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Turn with me, to me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And as we'll see as we progress through this, this uh, thought, this lesson, this message this morning, this is not just a, a doctrinal box to check and say, yep, God's sovereign, that does it. No, this is, this is the help because we're human. We're flesh and blood, and we need so much comfort and help and assistance because we're, we're concerned about many things. And that's what, the, that's what the gospel does. If you understand the gospel, if you learn the gospel, if God teaches you the gospel, the world doesn't change. It still goes headlong in the way it thinks it wants to go, but who's over the whole thing? And that gives us tremendous comfort, tremendous comfort. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness and that in uh, speak that speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach upon the high to, uh, the, the housetops, 
Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. The falling of a sparrow, and he says they're, you know, could be sold for a farthing. They're not worth you know, matter of fact, you know, when we feed the birds, we like to see the cardinals, the blue jays, the different kind of birds. But sparrows, like, ah, it's just a sparrow. Don't even bother to look them up, what kind they are. We've got at least 15 species of sparrows in this area, but we don't even bother to look them up anymore. They're just common. Nothing happens. Those birds don't fly. They don't flap. They don't stop flapping without the heavenly father's permission or will two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father without his permission what about the hairs on the human head they're counted the very hairs of all of your head are all numbered they're counted that seems very particularly extreme does it not and to be noted it's it's the most minute detail who thinks about hair follicles? Her father does. Exactly. The lot is cast, but the whole disposing is of the Lord. Ruth. Ruth, chapter 2. Ruth. Chapter 2, you know basically the story of Ruth. There was Ruth that left her homeland, or, you know, there of Judea, and came over to this, to this uh, uh, area where her people were not. Her husband died, her, her children's, uh, their husband, her husband's died, and she was left with two widowed uh, daughter-in-laws, Oprah, Opa. And uh, Ruth, and she says, I'm going back. I'm going back to my country. If you want to come, come. Well, one of them came. It's a little, it's, well, I'm, not, I'm going to come with you. I want to be with you. And then she says, but, you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to know anybody, this and that and everything. So it's like a, 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 a false professor. Oh, they, oh, this is a new message. I, I've never heard this before. Then they mingle a little bit, but then when the trial of life comes, they're like, you know what, I'm going to go back. And that we see that happen often. But Ruth, Ruth clave to Naomi. She clave. But look at this in verse chapter 2, verses the first uh, three verses, 1, 2, and 3. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Now we know this is a picture of Christ. And Ruth... The Moabitess said to Naomi, she's back in her, in her country, they're not, they don't have much food, much, anything going on. She says, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her daughter, you know, go, go my daughter, go. And Ruth went 
and came and gleaned in the field after the reaper. She just went out to the field, just went out, didn't know where she was going. And her hap, there you go, <laughs> there you go, her hap, her hap. Now that word means event, her, the situation that's going on in her life. She's just going and living her life. And her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging to, unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. Oh, that's, that's just happenstance. That's just, that's just luck. That's good luck. No, none of these things. The lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing is of the Lord. Such an event was all foreordained by God in order to meet this believer's need and ultimately show forth our sovereign God's redemptive glory in buying back this woman and the property all showing sovereign, free, electing grace in a kinsman. All the scriptures point to the redemptive glory in Christ. And that's what we see here. So even the smallest events that turn her to this field led to one thing to another, led to her marriage and to Naomi's reestablishment in her homeland. It's just so, it's, well, that's just, no, no, that's the fact that everything is, is ordered by our Lord. Proverbs 21, back in Proverbs, and verse 1. Proverbs 21, and verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he... God turns it whithersoever he will. Now, if the king, and in the Old Testament, and in the Bible times, was mighty, well, powerful, unwise, if the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, then easily so, so to speak, the common man, woman, boy, or girl, their heart is in the Lord's hand. And in ancient times, and I, got, I never thought about it this way, but one of the commentators said in ancient times, kings were often called gods. Were they not? And they didn't have to give an account to anybody. You, they didn't have to give an account to anybody. Yet they, these ancient kings and presidents in our time, and monarchs and rulers, they have to give an account to their maker, the creator of the world, Jehovah God. Why? Because invade this one country, don't invade this country. The gospel was stopped for going to the eastern areas. And the Lord, you know, the Lord told Paul, don't go here, go here. And that's why the gospel's here in this country. I, I, I enjoy history and I, I enjoy World War II, the, the, the battle at Midway. It was, you know, it was minutes away from... Uh, the, the U.S. Navy being annihilated, but because the, the spotter spotted the Japanese Navy, everything turned. It was just a matter of why. There we go. And it's not because this country's great. We're all sinners. No, we would think, well, the, we've got prosperity and this and that, and we must be something. No, no, we're, 
we're, we're accountable because the gospel is preached in this country, and I know it's preached in other countries. You can there's a Bible about it, probably in about every home. It's dusty. Nobody looks at it. They're going to be held accountable. This country has got nothing on God. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. If it's by grace, it's no more works. Time would not allow me to tell of and go to all these refer- uh, scriptures, but we could reference them. We could look at Joseph in his life, and everything he went through up and down, and he said, no, this is the, the Lord. The Lord was in this. You, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What about Queen Esther? You look at that book, that little book of Esther, and see how the Lord overruled so many things, even in his own people, even in, in Mordecai. Her, her mentor, Mordecai. What about Mephibosheth's care? He couldn't do anything. He couldn't go anywhere. He was lame on both feet. And yet, David found him out through a covenant, which that's the Bible talks about covenants, of Jonathan and him, that he may show kindness. The Lord does the same thing with us. He shows kindness based on the covenant that his son made with him in order to show mercy on some. What about Isaiah? And if you look at, well, we will look at one passage in Isaiah. If you look at like in a chapter 4, to, if you read or the section of Isaiah 40 all the way to Isaiah 49, all the Isaiah 40s, just sovereignty, just sovereignty, foreordination. It's all over the place. What about Daniel? What about Adrach, Meshach, and Abednego? <laughs> Well, they were supposed to end up in the, in the furnace. Why? So God could be glorified. And there's one and there was three. But the, even the king said, it looks like there's four in there. And the one looks like the son of God. Well, how did he know that? What about Jonah? Jonah, he didn't want to go preach to Nineveh. He was going to go. He was going to go. He'd be taught a lesson like we often have to be taught lessons. God's on the throne. God's sovereign. And this verse, this verse, and I don't know why this, it was this one in Proverbs, but this has done more good for me in the last week just to stop complaining. You know, stop looking at the news. Stop looking at what's going on in Gaza or what's going on here or the White House or this or that. It's going to go on whether I read it or even know about it. But I just, I was just getting upset about some things. I said, wait a second. The lot, if the lot is cast into the lap, if, and it is, every day, every day, business is open. They don't know what's going to happen. They open their doors. They open, turn the open clothes on. Whether it's Washington, D.C., somebody turns the lights on. The halls are open. Whether good or bad's going on there. The whole disposing of is of the Lord. Why? There may be one sheep that needs to hear the word. There may be one person that needs to step back and say, this is crazy. This is lunatic. This is not good government. This is not right management. I didn't treat my employee right. There may be one thing. Maybe the shoelace was on. I don't know. Cause us to realize, or somebody realize, maybe your parents, maybe your child, maybe your, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, maybe they, they would hear. 
It's, there's, nothing, there's no such thing as luck. No such thing as chance. Bad fortune, good fortune. Oh my, we could go on and on. I could go. But you know as well as, uh, as I do, this principle of sovereignty and providential supremacy over every single event in human history. If we want to talk about human history, and people want to ignore it, but they're going to have to think about it tomorrow. They're going to have to think about something happened in Jerusalem a long, long time ago. Now, whether you believe in this and that and all, it doesn't matter. The, the world's going to, they're going to think about it. So that one event, that one most important event in human history, and is the most important, and I know Muhammad would say it is, and I know Joseph Smith would say no, and I know uh, the more, you know, they no, no, we know that the most important event, single event in human history, and, and I know they changed it now, but it used to be B.C. and A.D., but now they've got it different, you know, trying to, trying to eliminate the things, the reasoning. Every event, even the greatest saga in our history, the life and death and burial and resurrection of the one we call Jesus of Nazareth was disposed of the Lord. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Verses 9 through 11. Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. How could you do that? You can only do that if everything's been predisposed. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. It's not about human history. It's not about human intellect. It's not about human reasoning. It's about the glory of God and the grace of God and how he's going to save his people from their sins. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also do it, bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. The decrees already went out. What we read, you get a newspaper, like somebody said, Tim Jane or somebody, you get a newspaper to find out what God's doing. That's, that's what he's doing. Whether we like it or not. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, a little bit more specifically, what we're talking about, the greatest saga in, in human history, the, the, uh, the life, the birth poor treatment of our Lord Jesus Christ. He did no sin. He did no sin. Matter of fact, the centurion, when he was standing there after Christ was crucified, he goes, this, this man was innocent. And Pilate even said that. But in order that the scripture may be fulfilled, he was to suffer, bleed, die, and rise, rise again. But here we have it here <coughs> in Acts chapter uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. You, you, you folks in Jackson, hear these words. And wherever the gospel is being preached, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, 
as you yourselves also know. No, this, is, this thing wasn't done in a corner. Everybody knows about the story of Bethlehem. Everybody knows about the three wise men. Everybody knows about the kings. They're going to sing about it today. Hosanna in the highest. They're going to sing all these songs. You yourselves know him, Christ, being delivered. Why? How? By the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And then he goes in and talks about how David talked about, prophesied about this. So this, this one, this one, whom some people say, well, he was born in the wrong time. That was, I was really big in, in high school and junior high listening to Godspell. You know, that, that is blasphemous play. But they said, you know, he was born in a, it, it was, he was born in a if, you, if he'd have come in a better generation, this wouldn't happen. That's man's thought. That's man's words. This is what happened and how it happened and where it was to happen. But let me read to you uh, the amplified version of our, our passage in Proverbs. The lot is cast into the lap, but the decision is wholly of the Lord's. Dash, even the events that seem accidental are really ordered by him. <laughs> I, and this, I'm laughing because it, gives, it, gives me, it gave me comfort all week. This has got comfort all week. All week. So I, I, I go into the second point. If he disposes the lot or the dice or the pebble, what can we say of our whole life? Seeing what this passage is said right here. Seeing what this passage says. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. If, this is, if he takes the notice of the smallest event, if he takes notice of the sparrows, didn't he say in Matthew that we're more valuable, we're more to him than, these, than sparrows? So this is what I ask, and I, I ask that the Lord take this and apply this to us. Do we have, I ask, do we have a gracious reverential calm because of this text? You know, personally, when I was reading the news, uh, or even, you know, quote, conservative news, and I found out that they, you know, took Donald Trump off the, 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 uh, the ballot in Colorado. Oh, I was aggravated. Oh, I was, and I thought, wait a second, wait a second. He's just, he's doing what he will. He's doing what he will. I still think this is one of the greatest countries in the world, and I want it to be so for Oliver, and I want it to be so for, for my uh, daughter and son-in-law and for your children. I, I want this, but he's not, he's, he hasn't, he's not going to relinquish control because he's already purposed it. You can't, he's not like us. We, he doesn't write history with an eraser. You know, I got everything I write in pencil so I can erase it. That's not our God. This is it's everything we need to know is fully canonized. This is it. Why? (laughs) Because he disposes it. We should be calm for this. So I, I tell you and I tell myself, commit this book, this verse, to memory. Rehearse it frequently when ill climate comes. And it comes all the time. 
Secondly, do we have anxious thoughts and cares? They fly upon us and they seize us at times. Yes, fall upon God and his Savior in this verse. Yes, he does control that little piece of dice so we have assurance of the Holy Scriptures that he will never leave us nor forsake us. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 18. John 14, 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I won't leave you comfortless. It doesn't mean we're going to get everything we want. We have all we need in Christ. Flee to Him. Seize the moment. Today may be the day of salvation. Go to Him. Let us be about the business of obeying. There's so much in this word. Well, I need to, I need to concentrate on this. No, God says repent. You, need, you just need to repent. Now, I know He does that in us. Let us be about the business of obeying and not the business of providing. He has and will provide all things we need. He has, has he done so in salvation, justification, righteousness, sanctification, glorification in Romans 8. We're just looking at this these, these last couple of weeks. He has done this. He doesn't stop in the middle of it and say, now the rest is up to you. That was the problem with the Galatians. They said, well, I believe in grace, but I got to do this and do that. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Are you made perfect in the flesh? But you, you started in the spirit. Now are you, no, no. It's Christ from beginning to end. Alpha to Omega. Look deeply into this book, the scriptures, and into your own life. Has he ever not fulfilled any promise to us in Christ our Lord, that he said he, has he, not, has he never fulfilled? Yes, he, he's never done so. Thirdly, have we ever exhausted his wisdom? You need wisdom. There's so many things that happen. I don't know how to deal with them. Ask the Lord for wisdom. He says in James, he'll give it to you liberally and upbraideth not. Has he ever, have we ever exhausted his wisdom? To us, we're, no. Have we ever emptied him of mercy? He's a God full of mercy and truth, ready to pardon. Has he, have we ever exhausted or emptied him of his mercy to us sinners in need of much mercy? No. And I ask this one, while our glorious intercessor pleads, the Lord is our intercessor, and he's right now pleading on our behalf, on the, on the right hand of the Father, has he ever not been heard or has he ever stopped from interceding can he ever be stopped from being heard on our behalf nope never so I close with this everybody all you people all everybody young old Male, female, doesn't matter. Psalms, you don't have to turn there, Psalms 55. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee, and he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved.
come what may, our sustenance, our stability, our rock is Christ and Christ alone. That's all I've got. Bruce, would you close this?